She's currently on the full-time faculty at the Wurzweiler School of Social Work. She also maintains a private practice. She brings her own personal experience of trauma and loss to her work. I love that Dr. Ackerman is open about that, and and also in the public sphere as an inspirational speaker. Building on Torah philosophy intermingled with the 12-step recovery plan, Dr. Ackerman shares her story of devastation and regrowth and of turning tragedy into triumph. Dr. Dr. Ackerman, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. I'm really happy and honored to be here. And a little apology to our listeners. I am not in studio tonight. You know how rare that is. So our best with the, with the audio here. I'm going to introduce another repeat guest on Equal Footing, Rabbi Shmuel Green. Rabbi Green is the Director of Student Outreach at the Tikva Fund. He's such a devoted Jewish ed- educator, constantly striving to empower Jews of all backgrounds, not just the Orthodox community, to connect to the richness of Jewish living. He served as the Director of Education at Rutgers University, of, uh, Rutgers University Hillel, the Director of Teen Initiatives at the Greater Metro West Jewish Federation, the Director of the Steinsaltz Ambassador Program, and the uh, New Jersey NCSY Coordinator of Public School Programming in his past. I love how Rabbi Green comes, is firmly rooted in the Frum community, and yet is willing to talk about things, uh, really proactively addresses issues that I think we should be addressing more uh, within our Orthodox community, and uh, and often uh, kind of we get a little bit behind our skis, if you will, um, on on these issues. And, and, and Rabbi Green is always able to kind of bring in a practical uh, view to some of sometimes what can become an esoteric discussion. Rabbi Green, thanks for joining us again tonight. Thank you for having me, and it's really an honor and pleasure especially to be on the show with Dr. Ackerman, who is a, tr- a true hero, and uh, thank you for all the work you do. Thank you. Very kind. Well, Dr. Debbie Ackerman has worked with our other roundtable guest, uh, last but not least, Rabbi Scott Friedman. Rabbi Friedman is the founder of Or Yisrael. He serves as the head of school there. After receiving a simcha from Rabbi Zalman Nehemiah Goldberg, I guess uh, this was, uh, well, he'll get into where he sits and kind of in the community. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Rabbi Friedman received a secular master's degree in psychology from Columbia University. Uh, for 17 years, he's been widely recognized for his success in uncovering unique talents with students. He's, over the years, worked with countless teens and parents to foster meaningful connections and has a particular personal interest in areas around addiction and recovery. Uh, we're having a, a program in the future that's going to talk about uh, Rabbi Friedman's work um, at, his, at, at his school, or Yisrael, um, and here we've asked him to speak at the nexus of being a religious educator and being a therapist, which really gets to the grain of tonight. And first of all, Rabbi Friedman, thank you for being on for the first time. And with that honor, I'm going to throw the first question to you, and that is, is the issue of kind of fitting in to a religious education that many of us in the community face as parents really an issue of educational instruction, or is it an issue of, um, of 
having kind of social work and therapeutic support? Where, where is, in a sense, the pain point in in the traditional religious education system within the Jewish community uh, around dealing or not dealing often with uh, with the issues that come up that we've kind of set out at the outset of the program. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm trying. Can you? I'm sorry. Can you? I I heard your question. I'm not sure exactly how to respond to it. Is your question? You know, is it the educational institutions that are creating difficulty for certain students, or is it the need for more therapeutic intervention? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, it is. Is it the? Is it a systemic issue uh, in the way that we're educating our children, or is it a, an issue more that that we just don't have alongside our educators the right social workers, the right therapists to understand individual students' needs? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I don't think I can give one answer to that. Um, I think each school is different. Um, each yeshiva is different. I don't know that I can make a broad statement one way or the other. I do think that obviously having um, people who are, you know, um, trained and understand people um, is a tremendous asset and help. And I do think there are things that schools could do better. Um, but it's hard, to, in my opinion, at least, to make a blanket statement one way or the other um, about that. Dr. Ackerman, if you're willing yeah. to, 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 to weigh in on this, do you think our, the system is broken, or do you think that the Yeshivish kind of educational system in general is pretty much working but where there's a kind of an out, outlying kids that we're just not addressing in the right way. Um, okay, so I want to kind of say, first of all, I, I am not a self-hating Jew. I love the community. I worked very hard for the community. I chose orthodoxy when I was a teenager, and, and I very much am happy with the lifestyle. Um, if the system is broken, it's definitely sprained. Maybe we can call it that. Uh, and I don't think it's an outlier. Um, I'm educating my final 11th child who happens, full disclosure, to be in Rabbi Friedman's yeshiva, and I'm very happy that he's there. I think in the early years, it's pretty easy for kids to kind of coast. The work's not difficult. You know, it, it's easier to kind of make it. And I think that there are certain learning issues that just really don't get addressed or don't get addressed properly. There's not enough resources. Uh, there's not enough individual attention to these kids. And then as they, as they grow older and older, it becomes more difficult, and then that's when they start falling through the cracks. And with that, then there should be more psychological or social work approach to advocate for the kids, to get them the services they need. And then in the, some of the schools, in more of the Haredi world, I think there has to be more, more choice of what those kids can do. Is there athletics? Is there some type of, uh, you know, art program, painting, um, writing, music, something that they could engage in? that if academically they're not that strong, they could feel better about themselves in that way. So I think it kind of starts from kindergarten up, and then by the time they reach junior high and high school, it gets pretty pronounced. But by then, kids are pretty disillusioned, and I don't think it's an outline problem, not at all. What do you think, Rabbi Green? Is this a matter of kind of serving the end of the bell curve, or is there a, a systemic crisis? 
You know, they say, I had an acquaintance who was in the AA, he is in the AA 12-step program, and he came home one time with a T-shirt that said, uh, religion is for people who don't want to go to hell. Spirituality is for people who have been there. Um, <laughs> and what do we mean by spirituality? We mean by spirituality exactly what Dr. Ackman has been doing in her work, and that's why I call her a hero, is bringing authenticity to their work. And authenticity means bringing their own struggle and their own... Uh, uh, pitfalls and failures and coming and saying, this is spiritual work that I'm working on. We can all work on this together. Imagine if a Rebbe in a classroom came and spoke in that type of language. And then all of a sudden, these outliers, so to speak, if there are, you know, these outliers will feel a part of because here they're speaking his language, his or her language all of a sudden. What we are lacking is spirituality. We are lacking something that is that is not just a way of behaving or even thinking on the outside, but rather something on the inside that lasts and becomes more eternal. Authenticity. And to tell you the truth, from what I understand of addiction, that is one of the main things that addicts are looking for. Uh, when you read the big book, for instance, of, the, of, of AA, they, it, it has to come to a conclusion that it's a spiritual malady. It's a spiritual disease. And Rabbi Green, the solution has to be spirituality. Yes. I want to get I want to get to how this ties in specifically to some of these issues like addiction in the next segment. But you, you bring up a point, and I hope Rabbi Friedman, you don't mind me saying this, that, that Rabbi Friedman and and I with our producer Leah got into prior to the program, which is this challenge of as running a school or being head of school as Rabbi Friedman you are, and not wanting the school to kind of get typecast inappropriately, incorrectly, as a place for kids that don't fit in, but rather a place where all kids fit in. And I think that that's, I, I mean, I was on the board for a number of years of, of Lamplighters, Yeshiva, and its wonderful time of existence in, in Crown Heights, and that was a challenge we faced all the time, is make sure not to get stigmatized. We wanted to have all students be able to get the attention they need, but not have this unfortunate thing that happens in the community, which is sometimes you get stigmatized as, oh, that's the place for kids that, you know, are kind of like either off the derrick or, or kind of need special attention or whatever. If you don't mind, I know it's a bit of a raw topic, but before we go to our first break, how do you, how do you address that, that, that challenge, the kind of spiritual disconnectedness in general, and then, you know, this issue of, of stigmatization that can, that can happen? Rabbi Friedman, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, so again, ha I heard your question. Uh, I don't know why I'm not. I'm not following exactly. How do we address the fact that what specifically? I'm probably not doing a good job of phrasing it. Let me let me get raw. So I'm looking at you know before before we had the program, we were doing one of our pregame conversations, and I said to mm -hmm. you, Rabbi Friedman, we want to do a show that addresses issues like addiction and bullying and apathy and so forth, kind of the where do kids go that don't fit in to yep. traditional religious education. And you had, I hope you don't mind yep. me saying so, you had some trepidation no, on being on that show because you didn't want, uh, you know, you didn't want or your, trail, your, your school to, to somehow be typecast as, oh, that's a, that's a school for kids that don't fit in. And I think that's right. a problem across the community is I think in a certain sense we've got there's a stigma, and it's just my opinion. Like, so shoot me down on this. How do we deal with that? How do we kind of get over that issue that it doesn't? You don't have that type of stigma 
in a public school system or even a number of private schools that know that they're just serving students that have all sorts of needs, including kids that have some pretty serious problems and, uh, and or just general apathy? Well, I mean, for us at least, I, I think a lot of it is time. I, you know, I think that part of it is just for people to see and experience for themselves. You know, we have that experience a lot when new talk students come or parents and they're like, wow, uh, this place is amazing. And, you know, I had heard X, Y, or Z, but really this is true, um, you know, or it's uh, whatever it is. But in terms of the stigma, you know, I'm not one that really worries about what other people think. But I think it's important for, um, you know, for the boys themselves that they know that, you know, all people are regular people. And all people, as um, Rabbi Green said, you know, um, have their own stuff. And it's a mistake and false to suggest that, you know, quote-unquote regular people or regular schools um, don't have that. It's just not true. I mean, I worked in a very mainstream, I shouldn't say I worked, I taught um, for many years. And there were all kinds of kids there and people going through different things. And even later in life, I stay, you know, connected to a lot of them. And regular people have regular stuff in their lives, and um, I think it's a terrible mistake for people to view themselves or others differently due to that. And I guess my my main thing that I like to express is that, you know, if anyone went through that person's personal stuff or struggles or normal things that they went through, they would look and feel exactly like that person. So, you know, I think it's... Uh, it's kind of short-sighted and, um, you know, really um, misplaced to think of people in that way. Yeah, and that's the point of tonight's program is to, you know, listeners that are dealing with these issues in their family or proximate to their family to to hear about uh, points of of, uh, of concern, points of, of help within the existing system without having to feel the need that, okay, well, you know, now my child needs to completely go outside of, of our traditional educational system to get the support they need. Participate in this conversation with Dr. Debbie Ackerman, Rabbi Shmuel Green, Rabbi Scott Friedman. We're talking about religious, edu- religious education when the child doesn't necessarily fit in in a way that the struggle to find the right words for that, but uh, it doesn't fit in, in on the uh, the way we generally would think about um, the standard path of development and the challenges along the way. Share your stories. Ask your questions. Tonight, because we've got a full house and I'm not in studio, encouraging text or WhatsApp questions or comments to our guests. The number is 917-428-4062. Please don't call that number. That's for texting in questions or comments via SMS or WhatsApp, 917-428-4062. If you really want to get on the air live, just be patient because our radio engineer is alone in the studio to let it ring. But the number to call in live is 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. We'll be right back. 
Decoding is brought to you for years now by a wonderful company called DocuVax. It's not just about vaccines. It's about your medical records in general. Take a second. Go to your smartphone, Android, or, or iOS device and download DocuVax, D-O-C-U-V-A-X. It's a super easy-to-use digital locker for storing all of your medical information. Immunization records, yes, but also MRI results, other test results, even uh, allergy information and blood type information. Your medical results do not belong to your medical records, do not belong to your insurance company. They don't belong to your doctor. They certainly don't belong to the government. When you switch insurance providers, have your kids switch schools, et cetera, you're asked for this stuff a lot. Have it all in one place. Download DocuVax for as little as $7 a month. If you want to subscribe, you also get doctors and nurses on staff for you 365 days a year. What does that mean? It means saving money. You don't have to go and spend $100 or whatever just to get a reference to a specialist going through your general practitioner when you know what you need. Just speak to the specialist on call at DocuVax and get a reference directly based on what's in your medical file. That's 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You could save the entire subscription cost for a year of like 80 bucks just on one medical visit. So download DocuVax. You can also go and do it online at DocuVax.com. And finally, if you're, for example, a school administrator or you have a small business and you want to sponsor a group, you want to sponsor your employees or affiliate members, to get group discounts, you can call 833-859-1933 and mention that you heard about DocuVax on equal footing. That's 833-859-1933. Operators are standing by. I've been Okay, you're back on equal footing, and we're talking about, and I know all three of our guests are going to cringe when I say this. We're talking about problem kids. We're talking about kids. And why do I say that? Because often the community says that. So I think if we're not, if we don't have a raw discussion, we're not going to really get to the heart of the issue. Dr. Ackerman, yeah. what, for, you know, it, the, we looked at a bunch of stats for the show, something in the vicinity of 5%. Some people say 4%, up to 7%. Of kids, of, of teenagers, uh, 12 to 17, have uh, a diagnosed addiction to alcohol and drugs. I, 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 well, first I want to start with busting some myths here. Do you think that's a similar percentage in the from community, or do you think we're, that's less of an issue for us, so to speak? I think it's probably more of an issue because we have a lot of underreporting, to be perfectly honest. Um, we yeah. definitely have an issue, and kind of circling back to what Rabbi Green said, and he's 100% right, uh, with the lack of spirituality. We are a very wonderful nation that is full of chesed, but uh, we are extremely judgmental in several areas, including what addiction is. And we're very stigmatized, because we do stigmatize. And that's where families and kids feel really badly about themselves, and that's when they go away and they stray. Uh, we have very, very high ideals. We set perfection as a standard, and the 12-step program says progress, not perfection. And we don't really, I don't think we're really uh, adhering to what we call Hanaflanar Pidarko, you educate every child the way they are, or like Howard Gardner says, you know, the theory of multiple intelligences. 
And these are the things that we need to do. We need to educate the community. Everybody is an equal. There's no problem kid. If you want to look at problem kids, then I suggest you go look at problem systems. The kids aren't the problem. So, Rabbi Green, what do you what do you do with uh, what do you do when a family uh, feels gets to that point that Dr. Ackerman is talking about, where they feel like they have to kind of their kid has to kind of go away? Is is that the maybe it is? I don't want to have judgments about that. Is that the right path? Your kids dealing with addiction, you're not getting the services you need in the yeshiva system. You, you you send your kid away. Is that the, is that is that what you should do? It's certainly what happens a lot. I don't. That that is the, situ, the situation. Every case is its own. Its own. It has its own answer. But I, I want to say something about problem kids. I don't think we have problem kids. I think we have. We all are problem kids. We've got a problem, and the problem is called Judaism. And, we, and it's not a new problem. It's a problem with, on the one hand, it, we're coming up to this holiday called, I said this to Leah the other night, we're coming up to this holiday called Pesach. On one hand, we have Passover, which is going through and breaking through barriers, correct? On the other hand, we have in the same night Seder, very orderly, very in a mold, everybody has to function in a certain way, and to put those two together is a problem. It's a problem for everybody, our own expectations about ourselves, and then the realities of our lives. Everybody has this problem. The only issue is, is that can we be honest about it and understand that there, aren't, there isn't such a thing as a problem child. Rather, we all got problems. We all have problems. Should a person be sent away? That is a question so many factors have to come and be considered. Is, is he a danger or is she a danger to other people? Is it not good for them, etc.? But... I'm t- I, in my experience working with educational institutions, I'm going to say it, I'm going to give a shout-out to the high school that I went to, which was very progressive regarding this issue. It was created by Rabbi Adin Steinzeltz. It was, it's Makor Chaim, the high school in Israel. And I know that the Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Dov Zinger, who's, who's been brought on the scene in America to try to train other educational institutions about these issues. But one thing he for sure said, if I ever have to kick somebody out of the school, it is my responsibility to figure out where they're going. So it's not about the institution. It's about the student. And sometimes the student is not right for the place. But that doesn't mean that we, we all as a community have to figure out, so where is the right place? And that, that makes a child, a kid, you know, a teenager, whatever it is, feel taken care of. On the, con- on the contrary, if I'm telling my child, this program isn't good for you, and I've said this to many in my experience and my work in informal Jewish education, this program isn't good for you. There's another program that I know of that maybe you should go to. Yeah. It's a whole different attitude. Yeah, that, that doesn't get you in enough. child-centric yeah. and not the institution-centric. Rabbi Friedman, I want to do a better t- job this time of asking you the direct question. I, I think it's, it's uh, really great work that you're doing at Or Yisrael, and I want, I want you to have an opportunity to talk about it a little bit on the air, because, um, you know, you, you, you took smicha from a traditional, uh, it is traditional orthodox framework, but you're also allowing in an educational context for it to be very different um, educational experiences. Talk, how have you kind of cracked this nut um, in, in your current school? Yeah, thank you. That's clear. Sure. So... Um, I could tell you when I was growing up, I was very disinterested and disengaged um, from my learning or whatever 
religious Jewish um, experiences I had, I was really not interested at all. Um, I was disinterested, certainly. Um, and I personally experienced in different places that I went uh, later on um, a more informal style of learning and places where I was able to explore for myself and be myself and have my own opinions and, you know, um, go through them um, without being judged or graded or controlled or manipulated in that conversation. And I then worked in a very traditional setting, and I just felt that kids in that setting, um, or not kids, teenagers, young adults, that they were going through a lot of the motions, um, but really just to please the people around them. It was very hard for them to access any inner spirituality or connection in any kind of meaningful way for themselves. In fact, they didn't even see the connection most of the time. Um, so we removed the, um, you know, we removed tests and grades and homework from learning. Um, we don't force young adults to daven, to pray. Um, we give them the space to come to that on their own terms while we support their, you know, their experience. So, and I think so Rabbi that, Friedman, can they, yeah, go ahead. can they, can the kid, the, the kids are opting in effectively to the religious education? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, my perspective is that if you're someone who's motivated, you're opted in anyway. If you're someone who's not motivated, then I find and have found over my life, both for myself and my friends and my students, that forcing someone to generally have the opposite effect, it's generally more destructive and harmful than it is um, helpful to that person. So well, I think a, a scenario, lot of experience as a, as a parent, you know, especially with, if you have a teen or preteen, that if you encourage them to go one direction, they also uh, often if reflexively want to go the other. So I definitely you know, get right. intuitively how the opt-in model would work. Do most kids opt in, though? I would say that most kids opt in to some extent, and everyone has a different level of that extent, just like adults do, right? I mean, you have people who are sitting and learning in, in Kylo there, you know, the whole day, and then you have other people who might learn um, one Seder, you have other people who might learn Dafyomi, you have other people who might do Shtaimikri, you have different levels, you have some people who learn Night Seder, different levels for adults as well. And you have some people who go to, min, you know, every minion, some people go to some minion, some people only go to Shoram Shabbos. You know, adults also have their own, um, you know, have made their own decisions. So, you know, I believe that by giving kids space to um, experience it on their terms, and not just that, but, you know, in an environment supported by people who are passionate, you know, about their Yiddishkeit, their Judaism, their connection, um, it allows them to realize that this is for them and about them, and at the end of the day, they're going to have to make those decisions for the rest of their lives, and well, we have found I that... Yeah. I think this is, a, this is going to be very interesting. I, I'm waiting to hear some of our listeners' uh, reaction to this because it certainly as an adult you have that um, we, we clearly you know, choose the, you know, the way our Yiddishkeit kind of manifests in our life, lives. But I don't think a lot of us come from that background of, you know, you don't get that choice when you're in yeshiva. You know, you, 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 or, you, you, that's the time where you get all the information and instruction you're supposed to. You can kind of opt in later. But we have to, we have to take a break. I want to come back to this. Uh, topic and get your reactions. Maybe Dr. Ackerman and or 
Rabbi Green, you got to put on your kind of traditional hat. You got to channel channel somebody else uh, in your thinking on this, and 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 play the devil's advocate um, to the wonderful work that that Rabbi Friedman is doing. We'll be right back on equal footing. We're talking about religious education for kids that don't always quote unquote fit in. We're joined by Dr. Debbie Ackerman, Rabbi Scott Friedman, and Rabbi Shmuel Green. We'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been caught. Before the break, I kind of interrupted you, uh, Rabbi Friedman. Uh, you were you were talking about this. I think find it fascinating and 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 to some extent, I mean, kind of revolutionary from from my perspective. Opt in approach, and we can get a, a traditional Orthodox Jewish uh, education, um, but meaning a religious education, but but you know, giving the child agency. Before I get to the kind of devil's advocacy, they asked. Rabbi Green and Dr. Ackerman to take. At what point does that opt-in begin? Is it mandatory instruction to a certain point and then a certain age they can opt out, or how does that work? Yes, that's a great question. So, well, we're a high school. I mean, I do have dreams of eventually um, starting um, in elementary school, middle school, um, because, you know, to me, education or chinuch is really about relationships, and it's about um, you know, it's really about modeling. Although modeling is a bad word because it suggests you're doing it in order that someone should see you, and that doesn't work. And not only does it not work, it doesn't yeah it doesn't really make sense. But really, that's how real you know happens: is that there's a relationship between parent and child, and there's a deep connection. And when the child uh, feels valued and respected and admired by their parent. Um, they give back. They reflect that back to the parent. When they see the way the parent lives their life and they see the values and the beauty that they see um, in the Torah and Judaism, um, they also want to have that in their lives. Uh, you see that often with children, whether they like sports because their father likes sports or whether they like art. You know, or whether they like money, whatever it might be, uh, those values get passed on, and they're not unique to religion. I, I think that's how things in general get passed along. So, you know, I don't believe that there's real value in forcing anybody to do almost anything, really. Um, I mean, 
again, you could encourage, in my opinion, um, and you could express the significance of what's happening and why it's so important, but there's only you know, so much that a person can do that um, without hurting the other person or undermining their entire experience or connection for that matter. So even if you're able to get someone to regurgitate information, you might have lost out on the greater picture, which, you know, is the whole, you know, point really of what Dr. we're trying Ackerman, to accomplish. I, I, I would imagine that you and Rabbi Friedman see eye to eye a lot, but if you could for a second play the devil's advocate, uh, and, and what would be the argument against this approach? I understand it's in the SIFTA, it's a high school, it's a different um, dy- dynamic there, but uh, is there a way that you can actually have mandatory religious education and still account for some of the issues that we've been addressing tonight? Um, yeah, I don't like that question. So, okay. <laughs> uh, I guess, I suppose you can, yes, if you do it with, uh, like Reverend Green said, the right amount of spirituality and the right amount of acceptance, uh, but that's going to take a huge cognitive shift. So um, if you would allow me two minutes to not play double advocate, would that be okay with you? Go for it. Okay. So, uh, you know, I educated uh, my children anywhere from extremely right-wing Haredi through the modern system, and uh, I do want to kind of recount uh, one of my sons uh, went to very Haredi schooling his whole life, and he had a learning disability and had a miserable time at school. It was really very difficult for him. And he went to a very right-wing high school yeshiva, doesn't matter what the name is, and uh, one of the big uh, Roshi yeshiva that had helped start that high school was coming to, you know, like her hair, like, you know, see what the kids were holding. And he was really scared, my son. He got really scared, and so he hid. He ran and he hid. And when he thought it was over, he came out. And the person who came there at the house of the school saw him, and people were still milling around the gym or the auditorium, whatever it was, and he started screaming at him. And after he screamed at him, he smacked him full force across the face. And my son ran out of there sobbing. He called me. He was like, I'm out of here. And he ran. Never went back to Kwame Yeshiva and his wife. But that's not the end of the story. Um, several years later, unfortunately, he got very ill with brain cancer. And uh, he was only 20 years old. Um, he really faced his illness with an incredible amount of faith. I'm not, I just, I'm embarrassed that I, I would never, ever, ever be able to do something like that. And all of his friends who were these OTD kids made this, like, 24-hour rotations that he was For those who are listening who don't know, that's off the derrick, like, off the path. The yeah, kids I'm sorry, kind off of the path. Left, yeah. uh, left the community, kids. as it were. Yeah. Correct. And all his off-the-path kids would come to the hospital every hour in the hour with bulging bags of food and $150 headphones, and they made the fonts on their phones bigger because he was going blind. And I just remember looking at these kids then and thinking, well, what are we doing? We were just so ridiculous. Why are we throwing away these kids? They're unbelievable. Um, sadly, my son yeah. passed away. And oh, God. I'm just never going to remember. I will never forget the faith he had. And I, I sometimes want to go back to high school and be like, you know, you forced him out of there. You smacked him. You, you told him he was an Alhara. He didn't know how to learn that he was, you know, at the end of the day, doesn't it come down to your faith in God in the face of challenge? And I'm very passionate about this subject because yeah. we're judging people based on only the external, and it's wrong, and we're losing people. Yeah. And so Scott Friedman, I just want to say, the first time I met him, and I admit it, I was skeptical. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he told me this following line. Uh, he said, you can go to the best school with the worst reputation, which is his school. He said, oh, you can go to the worst school with the best reputation. So pick. And I thought, 
I really like that, and I picked. So, yeah. No, no, it's, you, thank you. And, and actually, I, I want to take a listener's because thank you as always for sharing from the heart. And uh, yeah, that's an um, extraordinary uh, story. Doug, can I interject it. here for a moment or, or not? Well, yes, but let me, let me get to this listener's uh, comment because, um, you know, sometimes, you know, I think some, some shows take, take listener questions that, uh, they kind of reinforce the, um, the narrative, and I, and I, I like to take ones that kind of challenge us, and I appreciate often people just write their first name. So Yoni Stein here from Teaneck um, says that this conversation is really missing the point, that at the outset you talked about the end of the bell curve. This is not the end of the bell curve. This is not a, a conversation about addiction, bullying, et cetera. It's a conversation about the majority of our kids. You talked about apathy. That's the real issue. Kids don't care. They're disinterested, and we don't know how to connect anymore. He goes on, but I think in a, this is consistent. I, have to, I want to admit, with comments we've gotten over the years, and we've touched on these types of issues, is that we tend to, in a certain sense, it feels safer. Uh, and thank you, Yoni, for that question, because I do think it feels safer, weirdly, to talk about the, the exception, the, the situation where a kid is, is, is dealing with where they really need help from a counselor. Um, but there's a, there is a, also the silent majority, if you will, of this, of this kind of disconnection. And that then leads to those outlying experiences and I guess what a therapy would call co-occurring disorders or whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, anybody can, can anybody of the panelists here can answer, can address this. But, um, Rabbi Green, what do you, what do you say to Yoni Stein? First of all, do you think we, we are missing the point here? I think you're absolutely missing the point. I think that you're going to, we're going here to very extreme examples of uh, slapping and, and stuff like this. Um, I don't think there is a contradiction at all whatsoever between forcing somebody to do something, uh, to practice piano, for instance. Let's take it out of the Jewish and religious part. I mean, this is about life. There are certain things that we expect ourselves to do as adults where we don't have choice. There's certain things we expect our children to do when we make them do it and toil, and then they get the pleasure. And this is not a devil's advocate. This is truly what I believe. And at the same time, you can have a relationship. I want to give a quick, quick example. I had a good friend in high school, again, in the McCorkheim High School, and he was very honest that he struggled. I hope I'm not offending anybody, but he was struggling with masturbation, okay? And he couldn't stop. And he, got, and he wanted to stop. And nobody was telling him to stop, but he couldn't stop. And who is the first person he felt comfortable to speak about it? Rabbi Steinzeltz himself. Now, Rabbi Steinzeltz was a, was a very rigid person, and he demanded a lot from us, a tremendous amount, academically, mentally, emotionally. It wasn't just do whatever you want to do. That would be the last thing Rabbi Steinzeltz would tell anybody in the world, just do what you want to do. But for somehow, for some reason, the boys in this school, the person that they felt the person, a person like that struggling with an issue like that that could be stigmatized, you, may, you would think, and is stigmatized, yeah. the person he felt most comfortable to speak to was Rabbi Steinfeld. But why? Because Rabbi Steinfeld did model, here I am, this is what you see, this is what you get, I can talk about anything, and it's not a free-for-all that everybody can do whatever they want. There's, it's a harsh world out there. We have to practice. You have to get good at something. It's going to take a lot including Judaism, including spirituality. The 12-step program is not easy. Spirituality is not easy. Meditation is not easy. It's something you have to work at. It's avoda. It's work. It's toil. 
But the thing is, if you have people around you that are authentic and can share about their own struggles and their own issues and their own work and their own toil, then there's no contradiction between, so to speak, forcing people to do things and to choose. It doesn't have to be either or. And that's the something well, I, Rabbi Green, I, I would, I would argue, I, yes. I appreciate, as always, I appreciate your, your, your authenticity and willing to get in the arena. I would argue that, what, and, and please, uh, Yoni, if you're, if you're, I hope you're still listening, you know, help us fill this, fill in the gaps. So I, I would argue that what this listener is, is saying is actually you're still talking, talking at an extreme. What about the kid who wants to, more than anything, be a civil rights lawyer? And they're brilliant. And they could be, okay, they're getting great training and argumentation through yeshiva's education. What if they're just disinterested in a lot of what, what they might feel is dry or just doesn't speak to them? But they've got, they've got a different, they're, 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 then it's a beautiful neshama that's surrounded in the Jewish community by, by all, they, they're, 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 they're totally ingrained in the Jewishness, but they're just not nourished and spoken to in a traditional educational environment. To me, that's having been in a, sat in a, a board for years of a, of a yeshiva in, 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 in Brooklyn and kind of hearing the listeners know that, that, that is, I think, what is the core issue here. Is there a third way for kids that are not necessarily problem Not necessarily problem kids in terms of having a masturbation uh, fixation or having an addiction to, to, to drugs or some, or, or, or some other issue um, that's, that's clear, more clearly on the surface, but just wants a different life. And how do you, how do you speak to that child? You're very Wait, lucky that you're encountering a child that's passionate about something. I, I, sorry, I'm very well. I just wanted sorry. something for a second. I, I really admire Rabbi Green's passion, but I have to say those aren't extreme cases. Uh, I've been doing this since 2008. My practice is full, as is everybody else's that I know. And 90-plus percent of the people that end up in addiction and on my couch and others have had a miserable experience at school that was really shaming and had corporal punishment. It's changing now. It's changing now because the new generation is demanding the change, and they're not going to let their kids go through it. And for the kid that wants to be a civil rights lawyer, that's where I'm kind of saying, like, it's Hanaf Lenar El Pidarko. He has an ashama that wants to do something amazing. He has an ashama that wants to do what Judaism tells him to do, which is to stand up for people that need advocacy. And I believe that the Torah has the solution for this apathy and for this lack of spirituality. You can't just keep judging kids by their external and what they're able to intellectually produce. The Torah addresses that, and I think we have to find the lessons in the Torah that we have to combat whatever that issue is in our generation, apathy, lack of spirituality, trauma, all of it. It's all there in the Torah, but we have to change with it, and we have a Messorah, we have a, a background and a history that will let us. We're going to have to take one more break, guys. I'm sorry. We, t- we definitely touched the nerve because we got a, several questions and comments that came in almost simultaneous with that little discussion there. Let's come back to this issue of, of, of apathy and kids that want to be in kind of a different vocational path, different life path, um, but don't necessarily, like I said, have that kind of bright, you know, uh, blinking lights issue uh, around a mental health challenge or addiction, et cetera, which also needs to be addressed. We'll be right back on Equal Footing, joined by Rabbi Scott Friedman, Rabbi Shmuel Green, Dr. Debbie Ackerman, dedicated, passionate, inspiring therapists and educators in the Orthodox Jewish community. We'll be right back. And here it goes. I'm just a kid and a lot of 
look, on equal footing, we try to address those issues that sometimes can cause shame, that are hard to talk about, but don't need to be talked about, that you shouldn't be ashamed about, and that for which often there are many other people, many other people, I'm mushmouthed and I'm also suffering from a cold, suffering from the same issue and looking for help. One of those issues is erectile dysfunction. Manhattan Medical Associates has been a sponsor of this program for, for a couple of years, and they do amazing work. And I can tell you they do amazing work both from what I've read, what I've researched, but also what I've heard and direct feedback from folks that have used their therapy. Erectile dysfunction can affect emotional health in couples. It affects almost two-thirds of men in their lifetimes, and there are solutions that don't have side effects and don't involve those expensive blue pills that many cannot take because of comorbidities, other issues. And that medical uses a therapy that's been around in Europe for many years, more recently in Canada, and most recently in the United States. It's called Gaines Wave Therapy. It is non-invasive. It is surgery-free. It is painless, and it is enduring. There are no side effects, and for the vast majority of patients, including patients all the way into their 80s, there are wonderful results. Check out Manhattan Medical's Gaines Wave Therapy for ED. You do not need to be in Manhattan. You do not need to be in the New York area. You can get a telehealth consultancy, consultation, look at me tonight, from anywhere in the United States. And if you mention you heard about it on equal footing, you get, a two, you get that free. That's a free consultation, which is a real value. That's a $250 value if you do not mention you heard about Manhattan Medical's ED therapy on equal footing. Waiting for the number? Get a pen? Call 888-ED-CURE-9. In numbers, 888-332-8739. This is the number for Manhattan Medical's Gainsway Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction. Get a telehealth consult for free. If you mentioned you heard about it on equal footing, that's a $250 value. Last time, call now. Operators are standing by. 888-332-8739. Okay, we got a lot of input. It always happens right at the end of the program. I interrupted somebody before, we, before the break there. Who was speaking? We got, a lot, we got a lot of listener input, too, so I do want to get to a couple of listener questions. I think, uh, I think okay, I that was good. Go for it, right. Dr. Ackerman. I, I want to just ask Dr. Ackerman a question or, or come sure. back. There's many, many schools in the modern Orthodox world, including in Scott Freeman's, Rabbi Scott Freeman's school, that they have not had corporal punishment for a very long time, at least a generation, and there's still addicts coming out of it. What are we okay. missing here? What are we missing you want me there? To, that's, that's, that's what I meant yeah. by extreme. Wait a second. Wait, wait a second. That's what I meant by extreme. I'm saying that that's not the sole cause. You're right. You have many people in your practice that are coming in because that happened. But you probably also have many people coming to practice that it didn't happen to them, and they're still addicts. Like we say, right. like, they, like it said, it's the great equalizer. Right. And so what is happening? What is lacking? And what's lacking is explicitly said in the big book, spirituality. It wait, is wait, wait, authenticity. Wait, wait, wait. Spirituality. Spirituality. 
spirituality is the cure for somebody that comes in with addiction. What people fail to realize is that addiction and trauma are married to each other. And when children suffer any type of abuse, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, they have a pretty straight shot to becoming addicted to one or more things in their adult life. And that we know. And it's not that all people with addiction have had abuse, but over 90% of people with abuse will become addicts. So you want to address it at a macro level, you need to start to address that. And there's a lot of abuse out there. That doesn't mean we're bad people. It means we have the same psychosocial problems that anybody else does, and we know how to deal with them, and we will. But you can't discount the facts and the literature and the research that's out there. I'm not, okay. I'm not and I agree with this, you completely. I agree with you completely, and the question is, though, what is our conversation here about? It's about those extreme, not extreme, you don't call it it's extreme. Not extreme. Those, it's not the extreme. The trauma, it's not extreme, you're yeah. right. The trauma leading to addiction, or are we talking about something like dogs started the whole conversation, something systematic within the system that is more subtle, more subtle than trauma? Well, I think it's interrelated. All of our systems are interrelated. Everything that, that we well, do, what happens yeah. at the home, what's happening in the school, what's happening in our community, it's all interrelated. And it goes into a lot of different factors in our lives, everything from economics uh, to pressures to poverty to mental illness to transgenerational trauma to biology. It's all interwoven together. And my, my kind of point is we have to stop pointing fingers. We have to start being more inclusive and really understanding everybody's strength and value, speaking to it if we're going to keep our communities growing and thriving in a healthy way and talking about things. I mean, Aiden Stelzos is brilliant and wonderful, but not every review is Aiden Steinbelt. And what you talk about, compulsive yeah. masturbation, this, that, porn use, drug use, it's a disease. It's not a moral failing. And it, okay, so I want to look at because we're going to run out of time, and we're okay. we're going to need to, we're going to need to do a series on this, and then and Rabbi Freeman, you for what have already agreed to be on a future program because getting into some interesting stuff here. I do want to get into. Um, gender dynamics here for a moment. Uh, Brian from Manhattan writes, uh, I, have two, I have two daughters. Um, one of them told me at the age of eight that she wanted to be a police officer. There is no way in the background that I come from that she could get a Jewish education and end up as a police officer. So he goes on to talk about Ramaz and Manhattan Day School, that there are very few options, even within the modern Orthodox community. Um, I'm not sure those are the best options to become a police officer either. But I, I have to. I have an 11 year old daughter. I have to imagine that she doesn't go to a, a, an Orthodox school, or even a Jewish school. She gets her Jewish education outside of a secular education because that's the secular education is a priority in her education, and not everyone will agree with that. But what, what do you say, Rabbi Friedman, to to Brian? Can uh, first of all, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I should know this ahead of time. I don't know if you're receptive. You have if it's just boys, but. What do you say on the gender issue, and what and can your can can one of your kids going through your Israel reasonably become a police officer? Whether you agree with that life path or not, right? So first of all, we only have boys. I don't know that I'm, you know, an expert in any way on this topic. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure my opinion matters on, uh, on on that specific question. Um, but you know, I would just. If I could comment, I'll respond to this while I want to comment just one thing about the thing we just ended with. You know, I, I thought that Rabbi Green brought up an interesting question, which is, are we dealing with the fact that schools systematically have an issue? Are we dealing with the fact that addicts have, you know, um, trauma? And I, I just want to say schools are, are just an, an expression of the, the community as a whole, human beings running them. 
traumas that are experienced in the home or outside of the home, in school, in camp, wherever one might go, you know, I, I, I think it's clear that it's not schools that are necessarily um, hurting anybody. There are individuals and there are people um, that certainly hurt. Um, and even though, yes, I agree that, you know, schools are not necessarily, hopefully a lot of them are not hitting kids anymore, um, you know, I, I think that there's still kids being hurt. And so I, I just want to say that, to me, the issue is trauma and the um, relationship between people, and specifically adults to children, because they're in a position of authority, and that can make traumas um, you know, more significant, and that can you know, be a difficult position to be in. So, you know, on that note, I would just jump to this question, which is each person is their own person, and we have to help support them and figure out what their strengths are and embrace who they are and help them find the best way to be the best, the most connected person and Jew while at the same time being able to express themselves in their own way. Well, I think that's a big, we're going to run out of time here, but that's that's the background issue here is that the, you know, the, Brian's uh, uh, daughter is a kid who doesn't fit in in the yeshiva system, but it, it, where does she go? Is there anywhere even to, 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 to go to get educated and still get that traditional Jewish education? You, last word, Dr. Right. Ackerman, because we're running out of time. Yeah. Last word is, uh, I think, what Robert Friedman and Robert Green are saying are 100% correct. We, we have a Torah that addresses all of it. You have a daughter that wants to be a police officer. There's no reason she can't be a religious police officer. Our, our system, our Torah, our Masora addresses it all. We just have to start addressing it all. Without shame, without judgment. It is what it is. And that's how we're going to get ahead. Address the issue without judging it. There's two places in the world that you don't get judgment. One is the 12-step rooms, and the other one is the cancer wards, and I've been in both. And you can learn from them. In that tragedy, so getting really close to being unjudgmental. You, you, you still have the mic until about 30, 45 seconds. So if you get over the judgment, does Brian's daughter have anywhere to go, though, to get yeah, that? Yeah, goes to high school and she goes to police academy. Why not? No, I understand, but no, but what he said, I understand your question. I don't know if there, I don't know what school specifically exists, you know, that has what you're asking. I know for boys, you know, we are a very um, open place where, again, we try, we don't try, we do. We, we love and respect each individual and help them find their own uniqueness. And I think we need to do that better for boys and girls. We're going to run out of time. We're going to do this again. I'm very grateful to, to all three of you, Rabbi Shmuel Green, Rabbi Scott Friedman, Dr. Debbie Ackerman. Hope we'll have you. you back in equal footing. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so Thank much. You Be well. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.